Welcome to the Leaders in Learning Design podcast by Blue Consulting and Resourcing, the place to get up-to-the-minute information for cutting-edge learning design. Listeners, we've had a lot of feedback on our last session on hybrid learning, and today we want to continue that conversation. And I think it's important that before we get too much into the detail, Joanne, I think it's so important that we are clear about what we mean by hybrid learning, because I think that phrase is being used a bit loosely to, in different kinds of ways. Um, you know, people talk about hybrid work, the fact that half the people might be in the office and half might be working remotely. But we're talking about hybrid learning. That's very specifically for me, when you're running a learning event and half your learners are physically present, half your learners are remote and joining virtually. That's what I mean by hybrid learning. Not to be confused with blended learning, which is a, a blend of, of web-based and, and synchronous activities. That's not what we mean. We mean when you've got learners who are 50% in, 50% out, roomers and zoomers. And, and that, I think, is going to keep or continue to cause us challenges and difficulties, Joanne, don't you think? I do. I think hybrid learning is going to continue to be a struggle because it attempts to combine online learning and in-person learning into one cohesive experience. And we're just not very good at that yet. We haven't had a lot of success in this space so far, um, and it's going to be tempting to fall back into the old habits of delivering primarily to those in the room and letting the Zoomers just observe what's happening in the classroom. And that psychological distance is really destructive to their learning process. That's putting Zoomers at a huge disadvantage. And what happens in the school system has been a disaster for many learners. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're learning from that experience so that we can apply best practice. And I think some of the key points here is understanding that it's not a tool disconnect. It's not that we're trashing on Zoom. Zoom is a fabulous tool. But much like PowerPoint, um, if you don't set it up with good instructional strategies, you could suffer death by PowerPoint very easily. And death by Zoom, I'm afraid those folks that are disconnected and disenfranchised, they're going to feel death by Zoom. We've got to focus in and understand why Zoom has challenges and design instructional strategies that overcome them. So the first one we have to wrestle with is learning via Zoom is screen time and too much is just unhealthy. So we have to think about that screen time, why it's exhausting for both adults and children. It's just not healthy and realistic to expect really long periods of uh, engaged time um, via Zoom. Another point that we have to look at is learning via Zoom is limited just to just a couple of our five senses. So while video conferencing tools like Zoom are an absolute godsend, they were only ever a partial solution. So that means we have to think about how do we reach beyond those two senses and just really think about engagement in a different way. Because when bandwidth is slow, the cognitive load is just like torturously high. Video and audio become shaky and out of sync, or maybe you get dropped altogether. And it creates an additional brain drain 
that subtle sound and video issues forces our, our brains to stretch, to fill in the gaps, and that leaves us feeling vaguely disturbed, uneasy, and tired without knowing exactly why. If you've ever watched a video where the lips are not synced up to the audio, you're struggling with two different channels, and it's exhausting to try and make sense of all of that new information. Another point that we have to look at is learning via Zoom can be much more socially isolating if you're not building great engagement activities into the design of your course. Now, according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, a person's third most basic need after survival and safety is a sense of belonging. Without it, people aren't able to build confidence and they struggle to build new cognitive skills. Those social friendships that are built in person in the classroom, on breaks, in the hallway, they're part of that cognitive development. Now, research on video conferencing calls generally demonstrate that it's difficult to build those fulfilling connections if they're not built into the instructional design of the training itself. We can do a lot more here to overcome that social distance if we just think about the tool differently. And fourth and final, Zoom is primarily a tool for lectures and teacher-centered instruction. That's the default. Much like PowerPoint, the default is throw up a bunch of bullets on the slide. It doesn't mean we have to accept that default. And although Zoom has breakout rooms and lots of other engagement features, unfortunately, they're not used very wisely and not used nearly frequently enough in the courses to create a more learner-centric experience. There's no reason why facilitators can't build that into the design of their courses. We just have to stretch and be able to think more from the learner's perspective. And, and it's really back to, to that definition of hybrid learning, isn't it? And I think we've really got to, to understand what that means, don't you think? Absolutely. Old definitions of blended learning need to evolve and reflect best practice for hybrid learning environments. It really means doing both at the same time. Now, engaging with classroom learners while at the same time engaging the Zoom room full of learners and getting those folks interacting not just with you, but with each other is really important for them to feel engaged and to build their knowledge in a social environment where they don't have that additional cognitive distance because they're separated from the folks in the room. It's not easy. We have some guidelines that we've found to make the two groups feel more cohesive. Um, and we have a couple of suggestions that you as listeners might want to jot down. Now, if you're driving, please don't uh, try and write them down. Just email us, uh, message us. We'd be happy to share those recommendations. But let's do a quick recap. Blended breakout rooms with a mix of Zoomers and Roomers is really important. Those breakout rooms where they're crossing distance barriers helps the learners connect and help them feel like they're a valued part of the experience. It's also important that we have class learners respond via technology. Um, even when they use chats and polls that both groups can leverage, 
it helps resolve the issue of microphones in the room. So if you've ever been the Zoomer and the teacher's speaking into the microphone, you can hear them, but then someone answers or asks a question and it's a mumble in the background. If you don't have a way for them to use the technology to really engage, they didn't know what the question was and the teacher's now restating or paraphrasing. It just creates that additional stutter in the interaction that isn't necessary if you use the technology with the in-classroom people as well. Another recommendation we have is for you as the facilitator to project yourself on the screen for the Roomers and share your screen for the Zoomers. Now that might seem like a no-brainer, but is really tempting when you're in the room not to project that uh, information. And finally, deliver to the camera and to the classroom. And what that means is that you'll probably be seated the majority of the time. Now, I know what it's like to be in the classroom. I use physical presence a lot. I'm moving. I may even pace a little, trying to emphasize different points from different places in the classroom. You're off camera if you do that when you have Zoomers. Or you're so small on their camera that it's teeny tiny and they're watching you pace up and down. It's distracting to the learner. Now, you might like it as a facilitator, but you have to put yourself in the position of what that um, that activity on your part gives to the Zoomers and it's not a positive experience. So we have to make some adjustments there. We've gotten a little more comfortable teaching from our chair in our office for the last year. We just need to figure out how to roll that positive experience where you're front and center for the learner into these blended hybrid learning environments so that you're not putting the Zoomer at a disadvantage. Now, Graham, you're thinking that people could go even further than these recommendations in the way that they design the learning. What do you think is the top instructional design priority for these hybrid workshops for the coming year? Well, well I think it's that, that idea of making sure that the Zoomers never feel the second-class citizen. You know, there's been so many examples coming from the academic world where the Zoomers just report that they feel like they're watching the workshop. They're not engaged. They're observing what's happening in the classroom. I'd really go further than the recommendations from our last podcast, and I'd say actually prioritize the Zoomer uh, from a design point of view and also from a facilitator point of view. You predominantly focus on the Zoomer. So it's not like they're going to feel that they're not being disadvantaged. I would like them to feel advantaged. And if anybody's going to feel disadvantaged, it's the people in the room. I mean, they have so many benefits. They don't need to feel advantaged. That They just are. But I want the Zoomers to feel that things are being done for them. So the design is about how the Zoomers will interact. And then the people who are in the room can find as we said before, technology ways of interacting. I just think it's the focus, the emphasis, the priority that's got to be on the Zoomers. And, and as designers, we've got to figure out the ways to best engage through Zoom because the Zoomers will engage through technologies. They will interact in the room, but the priority has got to be on the Zoom. Um, I, I just think that's, that's taking it further than we might have suggested last time. And I think that's both the facilitator 
and the instructional designer, your primary learner isn't physically present. And if we have that focus, I think we'll end up with a better hybrid solution than we probably will if we do anything different. I think that's the priority. That's really groundbreaking, Graham. And I hope our listeners really consider that in their designs. Um, listeners, thanks for joining us today. Contact us at blueconsultingandresourcing.com to get your free copy of our hybrid learning recommendations. Listeners, as instructional designers and learning professionals, you will potentially be shaping the learning experiences of thousands in the coming year. It's up to you to leverage every best practice. We look forward in helping you to gather and implement them. Contact us for more information on how we can help you. Folks, you've been listening to the Leaders in Learning Design podcast by Blue Consulting and Resourcing, a regular podcast for cutting-edge learning design. Music.